time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Good to have you with us, everybody. We're coming up on the MBA conference just around the corner, a couple weeks out, a couple Mondays out. Just talking to Alice about it, hoping to see you there. But excited to have this opportunity to come before you on this Columbus Day. For many of our banker listeners, it's a day off. For many of our regular mortgage banking listeners, is there any day off for regular mortgage bankers? It just seems like it's so busy out there. Everyone's tongue is just hanging out in exhaustion. But keep it up. We're doing so well for the economy. We're helping so many people refinance homes. And this is an industry that can make such a difference in people's lives. And this podcast is having some real impact as well on so many that listen to it. We appreciate you as our listeners. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format anytime and anywhere. Just looking at some statistics, we've got some more people interested in advertising. And if you're interested in advertising, go over to our website, uh, Lick It On Lending, and check out the advertising opportunities. But talking to our executive producer, he's kind of like does everything from cleaning the bathrooms all the way up to the big stuff. So we appreciate Paul so much. But he and I are looking at some statistics. It's really interesting to see the demographics and who's listening to the podcast, how many are listening to the podcast, and the success that we're having. So we're just very grateful to you for letting others know about the podcast and sharing it out. Uh, and it's partly because of the content. Like today, we've got in a Hot topic segment, we've got Bill Cosgrove, President and CEO of Union Home Mortgage, continuing our series on leadership in the mortgage industry. It's been one of the biggest, I, almost I would say crisis it's a leadership crisis. We really need leadership in these companies. There's so many companies that are enjoying good times, but leadership is so much about creating a great environment for your company. Bill does a great job. You're going to hear about that in the Hot Topic segment. And of course, Alice has joined me in that interview, pre-recorded that a week or so ago, and uh, really enjoy the friendship and relationship with Bill Cosgrove in every sense of the word and the leadership he brings to our industry. In that hot topic, we're talking about the next generation of mortgage leaders and then leading. We're going to talk about Empower, the Women's Mortgage Industry Conference, and a whole lot of other things. So stay tuned all the way through to the Hot Topics segment. I want to say a big thank you for the Industry Syndicate, which we are proud to be a part of. Industry Syndicate can be listened to and see all the podcasts. We're one of them in there at industrysyndicate.com. There's so many listeners that I want to give the shout-outs to, but... There is a friend, there's even a fair number of people outside the industry listen, but shout out to Denise Hayes, who has uh, recently become a subscriber. And so, Denise, I was tickled to hear that you are not in the industry, but you find our podcast interesting enough. And uh, thank you. Be sure to say hi to your husband, Dave. Dave and Denise Hayes, dear, dear friends. And uh, they're listening to the podcast regularly. You know, one thing I'll just say is Black Knight. They acquired Compass Analytics, and a lot of people missed that, so we're going to hear more about that at the MBA. also want to say thank you to the MBA for their sponsorship of the podcast, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America sponsorship, as well as Black Knight and their actionable intelligence platform, delivering growth and reducing costs. 
Head over to blackknightinc.com. Also, Open Mortgage, a leading buyer of reverse mortgage loans, in the home of some of the top LOs in the country. And Finastra, who has their Fusion Mortgage Body, guess what its complete name, great powerful tool for getting the information into their LOS. They have a front-end system, a POS system that's really solid, as well as ResX, Warehouse Lending Division of United Bank. Check out Ken Jones's interview on September 16th, The Three Pillars of Successful Leadership, as well as Lenders One in the Mortgage Collaborative, talking to David Kittle of the Mortgage Collaborative, the success they're having in membership growth. Really pretty amazing. Lenders One is the oldest collaborative, and then Mortgage Collaborative is fairly new, but both of these associations or these collaboratives or these co-ops give you as a mortgage lender real opportunity to get up close and personal with both investors and vendors. And they have some great conferences. So check out both those, LendersOne.com as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. And then also a special thank you to Velma, Brent Emler, and the team there do a great job of getting the, our word out about our podcast each week as well as providing services on email mortgage marketing. Knowledge Coop, Ken Perry and I were just talking the other day. Great group of people for easy training as well as Vidyard, a powerful video communications technology enabling you to powerfully connect your customer with your people. So get your people checking out Vidyard. Also, AI Assist powered by Conversica. We also say a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Alan, and Joe. Let's run over to Rob Van Raphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, President Trump announced that he intends to nominate FHA Commissioner Brian Montgomery to be the next HUD Deputy Secretary. NBA President and CEO Bob Brooksmith released a statement congratulating Montgomery and stressing that Montgomery has been integral in developing policies that improve opportunities for homebuyers and renters during his current tenure. Also last week, President Trump released two important executive orders. The first, the executive order on promoting the rule of law through improved agency guidance documents, reflects many of MBA's policy positions on agency guidance, including an affirmation that agency guidance is not legally binding on regulated entities. The second, the executive order on promoting the rule of law through transparency and fairness in civil, administrative enforcement and education, addresses regulation by enforcement and similar agency practices. It seeks to prevent agency enforcement absent prior public notice of both the enforcing agency's jurisdiction over particular conduct and the legal standards applicable to that conduct. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Good job. And while you're checking out the MBA website, be sure to do so. Sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Easy to do. Check out Mortgage Action Alliance. Get your word known. And again, we tell everybody every week, you do not have to be a member of the MBA to be a part of the Mortgage Action Alliance and have your voice heard. Les Parker is here with us with the TM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Amesworth Advisors. Here comes the fun. And Jay says, it's all right. Is it all right that rates are headed higher? Will the Fed ease on October 30th? Flip a coin. Will a recession occur within one year? Odds are 9 to 1. What are the odds of a China deal this year? Probably 50 to 1, but that's up from last week. Yet, ho, 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 it's almost certain to happen before next Christmas. No hard Brexit on Halloween is a treat, provided no borders to fix. <laughs> no scary scenario threatens oil. 
So bank on what Jay Powell says. It's all right. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. It's all right. That is hilarious. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Parker, I got to tell you. You and Gary Catcherbone have so much fun putting that together. And it's informative. Check out tmspotlight.com to subscribe to Les's daily email. He got a really nice endorsement and uh, recommendation from Stan Midland of Freedom on there. So check it out. It's free. The leaders listen to less, so check it out. Joe Farr couldn't be with us live, but he recorded his update yesterday. And here's Joe's weekly mortgage market update. Hey, Dave, this is Joe calling in on a Sunday afternoon. Wanted to get this thing recorded. Today, uh, Monday, not lots going on. Nothing's on the economic calendar to look at. There could be lots going on with Brexit, and I'll talk about that here in a, in a minute. But uh, looking at last week first, last week was not a good week for mortgage rates. NBS prices fell about 75 basis points. You know, that's offsetting 50 basis point improvement that we saw the week before. The cause of the drop in MBS prices were uh, came from perceived improvement in the trade war with China. Stocks improved and uh, mortgage rates rose as investors shifted uh, riskier assets. Also last week, renewed hope for the Brexit deal and strong consumer data were also good for stocks, but as they were good for stocks, they weren't really good for bonds. Inflation data, though, it came out during the week. It showed that inflation for both the consumer level and the producer level was lower than it was in August and was below expectations. That's good. It's good for both stocks and bonds as it may help the Fed feel better about cutting rates in the future. Uh, There's little information learned from the minutes of the September 17th Fed meeting that came out on Wednesday. And uh, there are lots of Fed speakers, as I mentioned last week. Chairman Powell had three speeches last week. None of those really told the market any any new information, anything that would move the market. According to the CME group, the likelihood of a Fed rate cut at the October meeting went up a little bit during last week, while the chance for another rate cut in December went down. So I guess a little more bearish there. Next week, looking at the economic calendar, there's really not much on the calendar that you should be concerned about as far as impact in MBS prices. The big report during the week is going to be the September retail sales. It'll come out on Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern Time, and it is expected to show a small slowdown in sales from August, but that's in the overall sales. When you exclude automobiles, which is a a volatile number, uh, retail sales is is expected to show a small improvement. As I mentioned earlier, Brexit's a big deal right now. They're coming up on their October 31st deadline. Over the weekend, it was reported that some people thought a deal might be possible. Others said it wasn't all that likely. Uh, Negotiations are set to resume on Monday, so there are going to be some headlines coming out. If it looks like Brexit's going to happen with a deal, stocks would likely rise and bond prices would likely fall. If the opposite happens, we could expect to see negotiations, and we saw negotiations broke down. Chances are the opposite would occur. And then, you know, China's been the dominant factor in so much of what's been going on over the last few weeks. It will continue, I would expect, into next week. And, you know, the the part there is going to be the details. Last week we saw some announcements of outlines of plan, but if if we see details come out or the lack of details, it could affect the market. So 
uh, expect China to be part of the market moving events during the week again. That's my report, Dave. Hope you have a great show. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Take the time to dial in. This is really interesting volatility uh, that's going on right now, and you've got to have a good hedging service. So who are you using for your hedging service? We'd like to hear from you. And how is that hedge working? Give us a text. Text me or get on LinkedIn, uh, davidlicken.com. Let me know how your hedge is working. We're doing a survey and just getting some thoughts on the hedging of your pipeline and the interest rate volatility that's out there. For most people, it seems to be going well, but there are some reports of things not going quite so well. So interested in hearing about all of that. Give us a call. Look forward to it. Folks, when you look at what's you know going on out in the marketplace, you know, sales, sales, sales. I and mean, it really comes down to how are you selling? And so Scott Gordon puts together this little segment called the Science of Sales. I love it. We're going to get over to it right now. Stories help customers relax and listen. They're memorable. They establish trust. And most importantly, they speak to the part of the brain where decisions are made. We make subconscious, emotional, and sometimes irrational decisions with one part of our brain. Then we justify those decisions with another. Stories provide depth and context to facts, which leads people to making secure and informed decisions. One poll found 30% of strangers are trustworthy. But when you asked what percentage of people you know, the median answer jumped to 70%. Telling a story is the most effective way to make someone feel like they know you. Stories provide glimpses into your world and invite your customers to tell you their stories. This cements trust between the parties, and once you have a customer's trust, you've usually got their business. A 2013 study found that only one in five sales calls provides enough stories to satisfy the customer. So why tell a story? Because it works. If this sounds too good to be true, it's not. It's just the science of sales. So now here's Alice Alvio, CMB Vice President of Education and Training for Union Home Mortgage with this week's legislative update. Alice, how are you doing? I'm fine, Dave. I'm happy to be here in not only October 14th, but a couple people I really love is their birthday today. So our son's birthday is today, Andy Jr., who Ah. used to do the audio on the show. And then uh, shout out to Jim Wickham at Union Home Mortgage. You know, they always share a birthday, so... Ah, birthday celebrations, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, well, a heads up for everybody here and a couple of legislative things that actually Rob Rappers brought up on the FDA segment. They were things that I want to put a little color around a few of them. First of all, having Brian Montgomery back and ha- as our FHA commissioner is really a win for the industry. We yes. haven't gotten a lot of wins in various appointments and changes in the hierarchy over at the agencies lately, and this is a good one. So for those of you who don't remember Brian or haven't been in the industry long enough for when he was a leader here for us, take a look back as an industry was always one who really wanted to understand the business, knows mortgage banking inside now, and really does a great job. So we're really happy about that. And then they also talked about the two executive orders that President Trump signed. Both of these are a benefit to the industry. So something that we want everybody to recognize, and we've actually had Mitch Kiter on the show talking about this in uh, years past when various enforcement actions have been put on large lenders and banks, and it seems like the agency going after them, no matter who it was, was really going on policies or their interpretation of certain policies as opposed to things that were actually written in the law, and the CFPB was one of them. So these two orders combined 
really do help ensure that as a lender and any bank entity that's being audited, you're going to be audited based on current law. And if there is going to be a change in audit process, that agency is going to have to go through a rulemaking process. So they can't use a, a prior enforcement action as precedence for how we all should be acting. I'm not sure, you know, I'm trying to make it in layman's terms here, right? That, well, yeah. I, if I wrote ABC lender up for doing this thing wrong, you should know that and you shouldn't do the same thing, right? That's what these types of executive orders have been very, House and Senate bills have also tried to make sure we put a stop to. So, you know, executive orders only go so far. They're not the same as law, but MBA did comment that they thought the CFPB and FHFA would comply with the spirit spirit of the EOs. Another thing that uh, caught my eye in the MBA uh, advisory update that came out, it comes out every Monday, so you all should watch for that, was a consumer protection law that California has under review. Now, for those of you who go, well, I don't live in California, so why do I care? We watch California very closely. It's a very big state, and they've had multiple times that they've implemented a disclosure or some law that then gradually made its way nationally. So they have a lot of influence in how some of our national politics and rules and regulations take shape. And so they're really cracking down on privacy, meaning electronic privacy, and one of the biggest things in here was acquiring transparency around automated decision-making and profiling so customers can know when their information is used in making adverse decisions that impact their lives in a critical way, including employment, housing, credit, and politics. So this bill seems to loop in automated underwriting into what would be part of having more transparency and disclosures to customers. So watch out. Uh, We'll be watching that closely because of that implication. And then there's Senate Bill 2572, FHA Affordability Act. It was introduced 926. Obviously, not in a lot of action yet, but we want to watch this one closely. If you get a chance to nudge your senators that you want this one passed, please get out there and do that. This one will bring back FHA MIP dropping at that 78% level, which is, was an important piece in FHA to help them hmm. be a little more affordable. Today, uh, there's a big difference in the MI to PMI premium comparison over the life of a loan for an FHA borrower. We, I'd love to see that come back. FHA is a great product. It shouldn't be hit so hard in order to keep the fund alive. And now that the fund's a little bit better, now's the time to strike on that one. Last but not least... A VA change is coming up. Everybody, make sure you're watching your pipelines as we creep into October and November here. January 1st of 2020 closings will be subject to new higher VA funding fees, and the entitlement and eligibility calculations will be different. So heads up on this. Be careful as your loans are getting closer to that date. And for those of you who weren't sure, well, how long is that increase going to be in place? The bill was extended. So President Trump signed one that was going to expire in 2022. We would have only had these funding fee increases for a year or so. But then it's getting extended to 2027. So VA funding will be up for a while and uh, just start getting ready for it. I'm not sure what kind of programming the LOS providers are going to have ready and when they're going to have that in place. So make sure you're all prepared. Now is the time to get that put in place. So that's my report, Dave. Back to you. Good job. Good to hear that you're feeling better, Alice. I'm sorry to hear you were down so solid, but it was good to hear that you powered through last week. So good to be here. And then it's really good to have the interview here with Bill. So folks, stay tuned all the way through to the end of the 
Hot Topic segment. Listen to Alice and I in our interview of Bill. Thank you, Alice. Have a great Columbus Day. Enjoy your day off. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. You bet. Folks, we're going to run over and listen to our uh, friends at Knowledge Coop. We'll be right back after this word from Nathan Nottingham. Hey, Nathan here from the Knowledge Coop. Do you need to teach a course? Have you considered maybe using the Socratic method? See, it's a process of using questions that engage learners to question their assumptions in order to eliminate contradictions. The primary goal is not to have listeners try to answer unanswerable questions, but to get them to develop critical thinking and to keep them engaged in your topic. Have you got some training to do? Check out the Knowledge Cube for fun and easy video-based training for the mortgage professionals out there. And it's all powered by a smart digital platform. Good job. Appreciate you, Nathan. Looking forward to seeing Ken Perry and the group here in Austin at the annual conference. Alan Pollock could not be here this week, but he did take time to record this week's weekly tech update. Alan? Hey, David. Thanks for having me today. It is an awesome Monday. Wanted to share this piece really quick. I saw a couple episodes after numerous people told me to watch a Netflix series called Black Mirror. And one of those episodes was interesting with everything going on that we've heard overseas about sort of uh, social monitoring. Uh, This episode was about everybody having a phone and being rated within five stars. And everywhere you go and you meet, your phone immediately identifies who they are. And it tells you their rating. And based on your interaction with them, you will rate them higher or rate them lower. Um, There's even a point where socially you can't even go to your job based on not having enough stars or enough ratings. And there was an episode, or in this episode rather, somebody was um, locked out for the day and he caught eyes with someone else in the office. So everybody was sort of uh, keeping their head down and um, she did not give him the rating to get him in the office. And so he then gave her a downgrade and her entire uh, life in the series was based on trying to get a better rating <laughs> to uh, to get the apartment she wanted and to get the different things. Crazy, crazy world if that was to ever happen, which I don't think it will. But some people say that other countries are going there. Anyways, I did very quick research and listen to this stat. It basically says that it is a fact of the Internet that every click, every view and every sign up is recorded somewhere. And that is really, really powerful. And if you look at just some generic stats, the Internet has 4.4 billion users. There are 3,499 billion active social media users. So a large majority of the 4.4 billion are all active social media users. And there's a bunch of other things, but, you know, 91% of retail brands use two or more social media channels. And social media users grew by 202 million between April 2018 and April 2019. So very interesting stats when you think about the mortgage and financing and fintech and, and where we're going as far as giving empowering borrowers. It's really what I want to talk about today, but we really are going somewhere completely new and we, we aren't there yet. We've only sort of breached that surface. So a couple things, David, I wanted to chat about today. Um, but mostly uh, concern around the, the conversation around the borrower. The first is that Finastra made a great announcement. They launched a new solution called Fusion Mortgage Bot Data Insights. And what it does, based on data, of course, what it does is it benchmarks mortgage borrower behavior and demographics for banks and credit unions. And so what it does is it, le- of course, leverages machine technology. It looks at more than 30 different data points, and it provides really a view into everything from application exit points to geographical heat maps. It's almost, if you think about it, it's like Google Analytics on steroids specific to mortgage. 
and there's different platforms out there. Some take screenshots of, of borrower exit points and it, it records the mouse on heat maps as to sections that they get stuck on or where they click more often. It's been around for a while, but putting that to more specific mortgage is obviously very interesting. And by the way, they made the announcement. I know of others that are doing similar things. So um, if you're not looking at your data in that kind of way, very interesting. You may want to take a look at it. The second thing I wanted to mention, really this is gets back to our intro topic, is uh, Fannie Mae just put out a brand new white paper and it's called Data Standards Are the Foundation for the New Digital Model Providing Benefit Across the Board. And if you, if you think about that statement that I made a moment ago, right, which is it is a fact of the internet that every click, every view, and every sign up is recorded somewhere, how important data is. And for us to be successful in a digital mortgage strategy, it is about adopting a standard data practice that, um, that works. And so obviously Fannie Mae is talking about MISMO. Fantastic article. I, I believe heavily in MISMO. I'm, I'm happy the industry has finally moved forward. So let me tell you about this white paper. We'll put it in the show notes. You definitely want to check it out. Fannie Mae is basically saying that, hey, the data standards are the foundation of the new digital model and they're providing benefits across the board. And what they're saying is that ultimately what is less obvious is the industry data standards are the essential foundation to support a new digital mode. I mean, if you just think about that one statement, there's so many systems out there that have formats that were developed on a standard, generic, proprietary data format, and they have to adjust and migrate to a standard format. And so there's a lot of, lot of technology that's catching up. There's a lot of technology that then winds up having a middleman. And by middleman, I mean a, a transformation service that takes up speed and time. It creates mismatches. There's a lot of management that has to occur. So what Fannie Mae is basically saying is that if you build a new system on industry data standards, you will enable much more growth in what we call a digital mortgage or the areas that we apply you know, new technology. Uh, and they have a couple things in this white paper. One is they did a survey and what they found um, from lenders and basically they said, hey, what is it that um, that you need in order to digitize and, so, and what's obvious to you, right, without a lot of uh, investigation? And the number one item was interfaces, microservices, blockchain, machine learning, the things that we hear all the time, RPA, AI, those are needed, but they have to have a flexible backbone uh, in order to continue to expand. And then that sort of equivalates, uh, you, you know, what you is equivalent to rather your digital system. So you want to look at that. It's very interesting. It all sits on the chassis, the foundation of MISMO data standards. Uh, and then as you look a little deeper at what they were talking about, you know, what they said is that uh, they looked at the second quarter of 2019 and they found that there's heightened lender focus on the borrower experience, especially in the face of fintech competition. So we're not done on the borrower experience. We're trying to speed up the back end. We're looking to make things more accurate, you know, need less manual review of regulation and compliance and those things. But ultimately, it's still the borrower experience. And this quote from Fannie Mae basically says, mortgage lenders continue to cite consumer facing technology as the most important business priority to maintain competitiveness, according to Fannie Mae's mortgage lender sentiment survey. And what they said is that, in addition to that quote, most lenders consider online business to consumer lenders their biggest competitor. So if you look at where we are and, and the fact that if you look at the independent mortgage market and where banks and fintech companies are, is they're serving omni-channel experiences. They're enabling consumers to do much more. They're, they're helping consumers continue to do business with their existing financial institution, 
or they're just creating a very competitive nature to independent uh, mortgage bankers. And so uh, when you look at look at that statement, it's very powerful. So it, the, Fannie is saying is, look, it is so important to have a standard digital data standard that everybody works off of and to adopt basically MISMO so that you can innovate faster and integrate faster and move faster. In addition, the, the one thing that they, they lay out is a couple of the benefits you get. I'm just going to mention one of them, which is RPA, right? We hear a lot about automation and workflow. Um, RPA is extremely important because you can replace many TC and regulatory activities. You can automate activities. Um, you can automate workflow and you can work into an exception-based process. By the way, RPA stands for Robotic Process Automation. So with that, David, I'll leave the link. It's a fantastic white paper to read. If you're working with vendors or you're selecting new vendors, you definitely want to talk to them about adopting new data standards or are they adopting the new data standards um, so that you can expand and grow through them and your business model will be successful. Great to be here and I will talk to everyone soon. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. There's some real interesting information. For those of you, several people are just texting me saying, hey, I'd like to hear that again. That was covered a lot there quickly. You can go to our website, lickingonlending.com, and you can look at the segments of the show, and you'll be able to go down and download his or listen to just his segment. Encourage you to go do so. Andy Shell, and now that it's official, we got to say, and here's Dr. Shell, the profit doctor. Well, thank you, Dave. You're so kind. So we just ended the third quarter. September the 30th is past. So accounting's busily working away to get the financials ready to go. So accounting's reconciling things and counting things and measuring things and getting ready to produce financial statements. Now, these financial statements are pretty standardized and they get handed out and people maybe glance at them and then put them on the shelf. And you kind of wonder, well, why don't they pay attention. Well, I can tell you one reason. I think they're boring to look at. It's black letters on white paper and a stack of numbers, and there's, that's all there is to it. I think this is just ugly looking. So let's, let's make the numbers better to understand by putting them in charts and graphs and making it so, so that good. we can help people see what the numbers are. And then beyond just making the numbers easier to read, let's focus on helping people understand what they say. So frequently accounting will just produce the reports, hand them out, done. And I would say that that's half the job. Getting the numbers is where it starts, but it ends with the reader of the financial statement understanding what it said. And I think that's super, super important that people actually understand what the financial report says so we can make it easier to look at by using charts and graphs, and we can even put colors on the lines, and we can provide an English description of the results. So all of these things help. So Along the same line, this Wednesday, in two days, I teach a class through the MBA on advanced accounting. Now, there's two more sessions left. This one tomorrow, or this on Wednesday, is on hedge accounting. And it also talks about the impact of the pipeline profits on mortgage company financial statements. So in this class, I, I show how to use graphs to help management understand accounting. And I, I go through all the hedging activity and how to record the debits and credits for all that stuff. But even beyond that, it's how to understand what happened. Does this really make sense? And then also, how does the pipeline profit affect the bottom line? And why is it that changes in volumes don't seem to make sense? So I cover extensively how to make it make sense. Because if accounting can't understand it, then how in the world is management ever going to get there? So accounting has to understand it, 
And then accounting has to be able to produce reports that are understandable and be able to explain it to management. I cover all this on this Wednesday. You can go to mba.org forward slash education. Sign up for the webinar. It's really cheap. Like if you're a member, it's basically free. So there's no reason to not understand this. And right now, with volumes going up and down, especially if rates tick up again and volumes start to decline, the profit's going to look really weird because of the pipeline profit. So let's understand what this does and how it works. Get in front of it, be able to explain it to everybody, not just management, but everybody around you. Talk about accounting. Explain what happens. So there you go, Dave. Good job. Get a hold of Andy Shell at Andy at MBS-team.com. Good friend, great contributor to all of this. Appreciate it. At this point, we end our weekly update of the market update, and we're going to now move into the hot topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, Resex Warehouse Lending, a division of United Bank, the MBA, Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative, and CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders America, Bella, as well as Knowledge Coop, Vidyard, and AI Assist. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.